Welcome back, everybody. And I'd just like to point out that, Shane, you nearly sound like a regular person now. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the mend. Well, In fact, m- I had like one big, big, big coughing fit a couple days ago. And that's how bad. I haven't really coughed since then. That's that, how bad that, like, it got. Break your fever as far as your voice goes? For the second time. Well, and if, yeah. you're, if you're listening to this show, wherever you are, and you're wondering if it's the right show because we haven't spent seven minutes talking about the condition of Shane's throat... Give it, a, you know, we're gonna we're gonna trim that down to what three and a half? Well, less than that. Yeah, like, maybe a minute and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. sound you sound all right. I think well, it's it's happening. This I, is Shane's throat is the uh, temperature of the garage. That's right. It's the new temperature of the garage. It, it is. Except yeah. I I've, I've been living with this for what seven months now, just about. So I've had a garage wonder for if, years. If is there some correlation between our climate controlled podcast and Shane's inability to keep a a, a constant healthy throat. Well, that's science, Mark, that's and I don't do science. I think that's, that's <laughs> oh. some conspiracy theory shit right there. Alex, Alex Jones. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? Having yeah. money, slow. But when I'm sounding, when I'm a guy like this, I kind of do sound like Alex Jones. You know, <laughs> you just I think to get angry. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, you know, the, it's it's a false flag, shape. It's a false flag. Mark, I, that was a false flag. I think that I've the, been picking daisies. I think out in the, the next time that your voice goes south, we have to cover a blues record. Like I think that's the way that that should. And, I, and I'll just do it like Alex Jones. Though. Well, actually, we should like. Never mind. I was. I, well, I, I like blues records. Here's let's what I think let's go to the crossroads. I, I think we should play theme music. Oh. All right. All right. Well, you just like put a whole damper on that, right? Yeah, hey, you, you know sponge. what? Somebody's got to instill order. I'm Mark. I'm <laughs> Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Shane. And this is somebody likes it. Hey, did you guys hear that there is a there's a new app that's uh, being called the Shazam of album covers? I did not hear that. No, it's totally a thing. That's so for, if you hear real. an album cover, you can just hit that thing and it'll pull it up for you. I'm yeah, yeah. It's called uh, the Record Player app, and basically, yeah, you just take a snapshot of like whatever the album cover it is, and it'll tell you. What, what the album, album cover is. Are, now, sometimes the album covers will like also say what they are. are yeah, are you <laughs> ostensibly looking at the album when you take yeah, the Yeah, that's shot what I was thinking. Like, right. And therefore, you can pick it up and... It utilizes the Google Cloud Vision API and the Spotify API to automatically recognize album cover artwork and direct you to the album on Spotify. So if it's an album... Like, if it's... If it's Fleetwood Mac rumors and the guy's got the truck nuts, then you're like, okay, well, I know what that is. But there's someone, there's some albums out there that you're going to see that, uh, you know, maybe are abstract. Well, okay. Or what is the use case here, though? Like, yeah, at what point am I staring at an album and not listening to the music? Or you're not at somebody's house and you can ask them. Or in a record store and shopping and it happens to be in the. But it's the Shazam of (laughs) album covers. This is this is amazing to me, man. These I can just hear the guys in the pitch meeting like talking amongst their employees, like you know, we're gonna change the world here. We're the Pets.com of the. We're the John Lemon. I don't necessarily uh, see them. (laughs) I don't necessarily (laughs) see them uh, getting out of angel round of funding, but that's just they're they're disruptors, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. They're getting a little bit a nice little round of press, so. Anyway, so yeah, if that's called the uh, called the record player app, and um, you c- it's downloadable. 
So in other You're news, welcome, uh, everybody. Kanye West is even more crazy. I don't even know if this is news anymore. It's not. No, it's and not really. I will say that my favorite extrapolation of all this Kanye business was that, you know, he was off Twitter for a while, and he's back on Twitter, and then somebody like took like three or four Kanye tweets and then approximated the entire plot of The Great Gatsby with them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, That's and it was awesome. like it was it was like something about like liking to, liking to have a party and then something about somebody else's girl and then a really nice car, and that was like the whole. I was like, yeah, it's not that far off, actually. Yeah, wait, less were, words. There, were, there was a couple of years ago. Um, I was playing trivia, um, like uh, the geeks who drink trivia. Shout out for you guys. Um, and one of the categories was, is this a quote from Kanye West or Tracy Jordan? And oh yeah, that's a coin flip. Boy. Oh, you, yeah, you've brought this up on the show before. Actually. Yeah, have yeah, I? Yeah, you got it it's, about 50-50. Yeah, I got... No, 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 no. It was even... It was it was about 60-40. Like, there was some shit on there I was convinced was Tracy Jordan, and it was Kanye West. Yeah, well, a short summation, like, he came out and endorsed Donald Trump, which is not a popular African-American position, but then he but doubled yeah, down, but, but and... Yeah, it's the double and triple and quadruple down. Yeah, he... Um, basically is a slavery apologist now. But it's not just that. It's like everything that has come out of his mouth in the past 72 hours or out of his fingers, you he know. He went to TMZ proxy. and voluntarily went crazy. But it's just craziness nonstop. Like, he's just yelling craziness. Coincidentally, he has music coming out. So, well, you figure it out. We're talking about him, like, so maybe the shit's working. I don't know. Yeah. My my favorite, and this is not a political show, but so we won't go down that road, but the my favorite uh, comedic tweet response was that he said something about the idea of that it sounded like something that you could, you that slavery wasn't necessarily something that you had to be a part of or whatever. He and said it so was voluntary. Just stay with me, Ryan. Yeah. You're stepping on the punchline. So that yet, yeah, so the deal. Somebody said you just had to uh, text stop to 1863. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Related, so. but if you haven't seen the uh, the. David Letterman with uh, Jay Z episode yet on Netflix. Oh, uh, I haven't seen definitely that. Definitely worth a watch. Okay, I need to do that. Yeah, yeah, and he's also was just talking. That is related because Kanye was just um, talking about his disappointment that Jay Z didn't come to his his wedding and made him cry or something like that. Mm-hmm. We should probably get to uh, the very non-rappy. Uh, item of the evening. Well, there's a little bit of of proto rap on it, just a little there's bit. Spokeny, folksy yeah, stuff. Yeah, spokeny, folksy stuff. Tell okay. us about it, would you, Shane? Okay, Willis Allen Ramsey um, came out in 1972. Some stuff about this record we'll talk about as as we go through the course of the show. It's a record that I've, uh, but I've been hearing about. Um, well, okay, so the 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 reason why I've been hearing about it kind of boils down to two things. Number one. He put out this record in 1972. Subsequently, is still living off the royalties because every single song was recorded by a major recording artist. Um, and number two, he has never done a follow-up record. No, like that album is as old as me, and he's still like. I, apparently, there are rumors that he is working on. Oh a, no, 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 the rumors. He's, he's been working he's on mixing it, it apparently for, yeah. for for yeah for at least 30 years. The first time I ever heard of it was 1997. And that's when there's a big 
article in the Austin Chronicle about Willis Allen Ramsey, which I had always heard about this guy, but I didn't know like the mythology. Is he not like a big Kerrville? He uh, does. Well, I think he played out there that year, but it was sort of going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd hear. Explain, explain to our listeners what Kerrville. The Kerrville Folk Festival. Um, it's an 18-day songwriter festival in the Texas Hill Country. Um, yeah, there are there are perform- and Shane grew up like just outside. Uh, and about how yeah. far from Austin? Just it's about ninety. It's ninety-six miles away, actually, okay. gate to gate. So I'd heard about him out out there, but um, not in like these hushed, reverent tones of stuff that I had started reading later. I just thought he was just a, like a folk guy. I didn't realize like it was really famous that you know that he never put out a second record because like he was. S- looked upon as this, you know, he was only like 20 or 21 when he put that record out. He was young. And uh, he uh, he was looked upon like, you know, sort of this like, you know, songwriting prodigy. And Well, I suspect that this is massively influential because you know how many people I've, I've well, heard like play songs like this just like all over the place? It, that's the crux. I'm glad that you said that. This, this to me... This record is so I could I hear basically the genesis of seventies soft rock started with this record. I mean, like in so many ways, um, not just folk, but like so. It, I mean, this is like the genesis of the of so much of the Austin cosmic cowboy scene, and then what would become like this stuff, like in all over America, like in what would eventually become Lyle Lovett. I mean, you sound, you, you can Lyle Lovett. Was the number one thing? Well, you his voice sounds just—they sound yeah. identical. Just you can, about. yeah. He later he co-wrote um, a it's Lyle like Lovett Lyle Lovett and his small band. He he yeah he co-wrote uh, that's right. You're not from Texas, which I did not know until later. It's totally unshocking. Yes, I mean I if, know. If, I mean if you listen to it, if I as soon as I heard it, I will say like a couple of things. So so my when I listened to this record the first time. Um, I, I was immediately struck by how it's the acoustic guitar. I hesitate to say folk, but um, because it's, it's... It's like country folk. Yeah, it's hard to... In, but also soft rock a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, acoustic guitars and stuff. Um, it's like the acoustic guitar folky version of the Velvet Underground's first re- album. You know, that whole thing, like, didn't sell a shit ton of copies, but, but everybody that bought it yeah, like was inspired to start the, writing their own songs, you know? This actually probably sold more copies than that. I think it sold 200,000 copies um, or something, but not a, you know, a shit ton. I think it was put out on an indie label and then got picked up by a major later. It was put out on... Um, Leon Russell. Leon Russell, yeah. Uh and so, um, and then later it was picked up, I believe, by Capital or Columbia um, Capital, um, or maybe Capital. Anyway, well, and there was some sort of a scrum with the record label at some point. Yeah, well, he didn't like want to put out another record right away. He wasn't ready, but nobody can really figure He's it not out. Not ready forty-five years later. I know that's the thing. Nobody can. And then for a while, like he went and like went to England and like studied Celtic stuff. But anyway, we'll get into that in the show. I just want to say, like, so I want to see what you guys' feelings about it were. I'll tell you what, my, like, mine, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I was going to in the beginning. By the second time through, um, it's definitely not my totally my thing. Um, but I can, there's not really a bad song on the record, even when his singing gets on my nerves. And, you know, it's not an album I want to listen to all the time, but. But I was pleasantly surprised by how much I ended up liking it personally. All right, I'll go next. <laughs> um, 
I found it aggressively boring. And it's mostly because of the stuff it inspired and that I've heard so many times. But that's a very valid. That's um, why I said I was but, very surprised. But it, it, like, it made me mad, like, how bored I was. So it's not his fault. I'm sure he's a fucking nice guy. And I felt bad, at, like, for feeling, like, shitty about it. Uh but yeah, I'm not really a fan. That's Just I'm, not, I'm, not I'm not either. That's why I said I was surprised by how much I ended up actually liking it. It's not. It's definitely not my thing. And I think the first time through, I felt more that way than you did, Kevin. What do you think about it? Well, there's all you know. There, you know there's given anytime you're talking about a 40 plus year old record, there's going to be lots of backstory. So there's tons of backstory, and it sounds like there's a lot of that meat that we're going to get a chance to pick at throughout the show. Um, I. So a l- little bit of backstory on me. I went, so I, I lived in West Texas for 10 years. And even though this is not technically a West Texas record, uh, around the time that like before I moved to Austin from West Texas, I went through, a, I had a Lyle Lovett face. And so like, and I don't, you know, seek out those records too much anymore. But like, I appreciated the fact that he touched like, and speaking of Lovett here, um, that he touched on some the you know the western side of country music uh the of, of C&W and and frankly like there were odes to jazz and uh and then his performances were like essentially these big spectacles that also felt and played small at times so there was a lot of like inter- interesting juxtaposition and and he was a musical perfectionist well now i can clearly see aside from the fact that that Lovett has been quoted ad nauseum as just being a like unabashed disciple of Willis Allen and Ramsey. Like clearly, like Ryan's take on this totally makes sense because it sounds like you know he's aping his hero, which he kind of is. But then again, like not everybody sounds like this. So you know, I didn't connect with every single track on this record, but I but um, some of them I really thought were great. And others I just kind of set aside, and maybe it's the kind of thing that will grow on me over time. But at the very least, I thought it was, I could see how it would have been an interesting genesis point. It doesn't sound like a record that was written by somebody who was 21. It, it, no, it doesn't at all. I think that for me, like, there, I definitely, there are some, there are some songs I definitely dislike a lot more than, than other ones. But at the same time, I think each, little song, if you just heard some dude, uh, hey, check out my new song, played it around a campfire, you'd be like, fuck, that shit's damn good, man. Well, they all sound like songs that you would not be surprised that somebody you knew at Kerrville Folk Festival played you around a campfire. Yeah, but the quality level was... It, no, it's it's a better than, it, like, it, it's of that genre. Uh, it's one of the better examples. I'll give it that. Here's but here's another thing. So, and this is just this is just sort of just a quick stapled on adjunct to what I was just talking about. But when I was driving from from so the weird thing about living in West Texas is like your your concept of time in the car changes because it takes a really long time to get places. Texas like it's a very large state. It's a very it's a very large state. So from 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 uh, Lubbock in the bottom of the Texas panhandle to Houston is about an 8 or 9 hour drive. And so you get a chance to watch the topography of the state unfold before you over time. And it's like, and it's not just like I 
just listen to these kinds of tracks. Like I also listened to a lot of Happy Mondays back in those days. Like it's just kind of a time capsule. Dude, that's a like, great bill right there. It is. It's a weird well, bill. I love it. And Happy Mondays. <laughs> and Happy Mondays. Yeah. But that and Willis Allen Rams. But, Happy yeah, Mondays. yeah, yeah. It's it's cos- like cosmic indeed, right? But yeah, but the but um, but the crazy thing about it was like you just you know it's like. It's like anytime you do things that are, that give you a lot of time to spend in your head, like a lot of times I was in the car by myself, so you just really get a chance to sort of think about these things in both critical and abstract terms. And so my connection, oddly, to getting to know Willis Allen Ramsey's work uh, reminds me of the mesas out in West Texas and the flat tops that you see as you, as you roll in the like 100 miles to nowhere. That's kind of how I was about Towns Van Zandt. Oh, who also covered Willis Allen totally. Ramsey song. And that's another one like like that people speak about in reverent uh, tones. You're, s- and you're just not going to go there. He's well, I, I'm sure you think he's brilliant. Like I, I just don't get it. Sure. Wow. Sure. I mean, I think, you know Did you not hear his album of Buzzcocks covers? <laughs> Dude, I would listen to that. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the whole thing about um and this is what I'm going to say about this guy. I think that Townsend Zed is is heads, you know, just as a pure songwriter, like heads and shoulders above this guy. Even though I, I think his songs are solid as fuck, I just like, for me personally as a writer, like at, at some point I just start to, whether or not I like and want to listen, like this song Wishbone, like I really did not particularly care for that song, but I, I that's I, actually I, one of the few I liked. Um, <laughs> well, it, it sounds like Leon Redbone to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's kind of what yeah. minus the <laughs> shtick. It's pretty sticky. Um, but, you know, I, like it, I listened to this a couple of times because I started to I started to click like a little ways into the by the end of the record. And so like the, in the second time through, um, th- there were ones that I could tell that I, I liked more than other ones. And the, some of the ones that I didn't particularly care for myself personally, I still think I can set myself aside and say, well, that's I can see that that's a well-written song. And they're all good. Well-written well, songs, whether or not I enjoy them or not. Don't get me wrong. I kind of feel like a dick for not liking it more because there, there's not anything wrong with them. It's just not for it's me. It's just a matter of taste. Yeah. yeah. Let's. Well, why don't we? Why don't we listen to one of these? And um, why don't we just do the the one that became the big, eventually the biggest hit, which is Muskrat Candlelight, which was became Muskrat Love. Muskrat, Muskrat Candlelight, doing the town in. Right in the evening, it's pretty pleasing. Muskrat Susie, Muskrat Sam, to the jitterbug out at Muskrat Land in the shimmy. Sammy, so skinny. Humongous fan of that song, it's which is kind of odd considering like how much you love song about how, how rodents. Much, how, yes, that's well, true uh, too. Captain yeah. Sneal like made it 
famous, yes. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Considering how much I love, like, you 70s know, seventies AM, AM Gold and and uh, Yacht Rock, yeah. But I like I d- I do like that version um, a little bit because um, it's soothing. I just like the way it sounds sonically. Like I like the way the bass sound. I love the vibraphones in it. Which, by the way, I was going to point out this album had one strike against it already in the very beginning. The Ballad of Spider John, because there's fucking like uh, soprano sax that just floats in and out every so often. I was like, no, mm, yeah. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> Not gonna be my thing. It's the 1972 Shane No Go yeah, situation. Not into it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that song's fine. No, yeah. but like I'll tell you what, man. If I ever have like a psychotic break and I'm just like completely amped up or whatever, like give me a Quaalude and that song. And that song, like I repeat, and I'll just rock myself to sleep and be fine. <laughs> just have like some pretty nurse like petting you in the back of your yeah. head. It's just very soft and soothing. <laughs> and yeah, and, and it's like about that. what, like, like literally about like a couple of muskrats that are digging each other. <laughs> dating each other, <laughs> I can tell. They're, they're, tic- they're tickling and jingling and jangling, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, again, you know, like it's weird. It's it's kind of like one of the like so the the most obvious thing the first time I listened to it was like how influential, which in and of itself is like kudos to you, man. You know, um, how influential it was to so many musicians. Um, you can hear his fingerprints, you know, so to speak. Not not oh, literally. No. It was not like a psychic just thing. Just all over the place. Like when I first moved to Austin, um, for maybe the first like six or seven years, this is like the kind of stuff that everybody played at every backyard party I went to. Yep. Except none of it was ever Willis Allen Ramsey. That's well, the funny no, thing about but it, it. But they it were was all they all sounded like some distillation of this. Right. I'm th- exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I was gonna say like it's sort of like by the time you start with ner- like Pearl Jam and get to Days of the New, but but not that bad. That that's like a yeah, that's probably a that's a that's, that's a that's, that's a very well, downward. No, and it's worse, but like it's also like closer. I, I don't know in time, but but there were just I, I would just it's roll. Less, my, yeah. I mean, I I wanted to hear like innovative shit when I moved here because I heard it was a music town, and then this is what everybody would trot out their acoustic guitar and play. Well, yeah, but you're not going to backyard fires and like with acoustic guitar to fucking play like innovative shit. I mean that that's the time that you fucking bust out like, you know. I know, and all those guys were just trying to get laid, and God love them. No, it's just that's that's like there's a time and a place to bust out your new complicated songs, and that's that's the club. Here's here's my takeaway from from his version of Muskrat Love or Muskrat Christmas or whatever Candle. that song's yes. called. <laughs> like so so. <laughs> So you know barbecue, <laughs> musk, muskrat, muskrat, barbecue. muskrat barbecue. Thank you, Mark. For the, that. The we new, should write, we the should new write line like some alternate lyrics. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, yeah, no, my thing was like uh, one of the reviews I read said that that uh, even though like, well, and they talk about like this reviewer talked about how there were so many songs that were covered. We've covered that idea ad nauseum already, but this guy also said that he was. Uh, probably wearing out a path to the mailbox, cashing those royalty checks from Muskrat Love, and I was like, "Really, really?" Even though that that, that song went to number four in like nineteen seventy whatever, like, do you still think that wherever he is, that there's like, oh, there's another 
It's like on that show but, Barry from HBO. They go to a club called Residuals, and it's got like two cent checks up on the wall. I just wonder if that's what that is. No, man. Like, he's. I'm telling you, he makes a lot more money than you than you would think. And plus, all of all, I think I think eight of the eleven songs on this were recorded by people on major label albums. He has a Jimmy Buff, like I said, a Jimmy Buffett song. Um, or Jimmy Buffett covered one of his songs, Towns Van Zandt, Jimmy L. Gilmore. Um, who's the fucking Mr. Bojangles guy? He recorded one. Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> Waylon Jennings. Jerry Jeff Walker. Jerry Jeff Walker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, the guy's not hurting for money, man. <laughs> yes, Sorry. thank you. I'm just shooting from the hip. Um, hey, so... Uh, okay, so we should probably play one more before we go to break, right? We probably should. Okay. Hey, can I... So, at some, I have a suggestion, at least for one. It doesn't have to be now. No, 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 go, go you ahead. Want, you yeah. want to do. Um, I, my favorite song on this record was uh, Goodbye, O Missoula. Yeah, that, that's a good song. Jimmy, that's the one that Jimmy Dale Gilmore covered. Okay. Speaking of West well, Texas. Well, he and I are a lot alike. Well, you, he, he grew up in Lubbock, so... Yeah, sure. No, you went to pals. school in Lubbock? Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. Do it. Yeah. Play Zula. sophomore album i just to me that that song i feel is is has a lot of perfection to it i think that song is beautiful it is beautiful he also sings really well on it like their quality of it's kind of weird because the quality of his vocals and he does so many different styles like some of the songs i i don't like the way his voice sounds but man he kills that song yeah i I guess what i'm saying is i just i think that you know, he's probably trying to measure up to something like that, is, is my thinking. Well, and I, I think we should, we should unpack some of this in the second half because it's going to, like, after the break, because it's going to take us a while to get there. But I do want to talk about perfectionists and long-anticipated album releases, yeah, like, yeah, as a thing. That's good. Like, yeah. I well, it's think probably that probably built up in his head at this point, you know, like, right, there's just, no way he's going to measure up. But, hey, tell you what... Uh, Willis Allen, I don't really give a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that to me just sounds like a Lyle Lovett song. Uh, Lyle Lovett is perfectly pleasant. Oh, uh, but that's great. But that doesn't do a damn thing for me. I don't think it's bad. 
but like I just don't care. Um, <laughs> we are we are having a hard time moving the uh, Ryan Judge. I will, I will. I will. I will. Mark, can you um, make the? Yeah. Okay. So I I want I I just continuously I I I wanted to tell you guys this. And I keep forgetting, I wanted to tell you this before tonight, and I keep forgetting, and if I don't do it now, I'll forget. This is also one of the fucking best album covers that we've ever had. That's <laughs> no, pretty Kay. great. Because look at his face, look at the smirk on his maybe, face. Maybe second to Bob Seger. No, 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 I don't. No, no, Bob Seger's the best. But then put one word in his head, ladies. <laughs> yeah, right. He does. Well, he was, he was 21. He got laid a bunch of yeah, this record. But look, look at that look. Look at that 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 just yeah, what's up, girl? <laughs> girl, <laughs> what's up, girl? Yeah, you'll buy my album. <laughs> I he like also, that now you've got, got it slow like, jamming. He's got those like it looks like he's going to try to hypnotize him with his like weird eyes and he's got that smirk like Want to come see some magic, girl? Is he wearing a hat, or is, does he have just yeah, have large hair? Does he? Oh. It, I thought it was just large hair, but I love both of them. I don't know. Okay, well, let's go to do a uh, few minutes with guys. Okay. Hey, so we've spent some time. Covering the various and sundry backstory of uh, tonight's featured performer, Willis Allen Ramsey. And one of the names that's come up quite a bit is Lyle Lovett. And uh, because Ryan so embraces uh, the zeitgeist that is Lyle Lovett's career, I thought that it would be a great idea to roll out the track that Willis Allen Ramsey and his wife wrote for Lyle Lovett. Uh, that Shane mentioned earlier, which is called technically, it's called "That's Right." You're not from Texas, and we'll uh, play that and then I we'll unpack it a little bit. Song, well, whatever. But there you go. Well, we're still playing it. Yeah. All right. Let's go. You say you're not from Texas, man. As if I couldn't tell. Well, you think you pull your all right, and wear your hat so well. So pour me my laughter as I sure do understand. Even Moses got excited when he saw the promised land. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. Texas won't you anyway. That's right. You're not from Texas, that's right, you're not from Texas, that's right, you're not from Texas, Texas wants you anyway, so I was, I was born and raised in Okay, so before we get into that song, the, the first thing that you have to, there are two things really that you have to kind of understand, as probably, as somebody who may be listening to this podcast who doesn't live in Texas and doesn't get any of that stuff, or like maybe just, uh, like that, there's a certain part of that that just turns some people off. Two things. One, this song is not really a so much a Texas chess beating song as as the casual passerby might think. It's written about people who uh, kind of uh, have a like like try to dress in a in an urban cowboy way in metropolitan areas. Like that's essentially what the song's about, and it's a little bit of an homage to some of the 
great like Western swing bands that were really influential to I Love It. So, and it was written by Willis Allen and Ramsey and his wife. And as I as I heard the, the story now, no, is um, it ex wife at the time? Yeah, yeah. His wife at the time that was co-writing it with him, I think originally it was. That's right. You're not from Texas, and Texas doesn't want you. Yeah, anyway. it's like Texas, we, and, and we don't want. He you. said, "Well, that's not really yeah. a Texas attitude." So right. let's let's it's flip that Texas around. Texas wants okay. you anyway. Yeah, but originally it was, "We don't want you anyway." And yeah. so, and he said, "No." Either he or Lyle Lovett said, "No." Let's. Somebody in the three of them was like, "We can't. We need to be more inclusive about that." You know, like it was just spitting stuff so out. So did people just take this at face value and just started fucking some, moving oh, here all the time? Well, um, some. I don't know that that's exactly so. why, but um, I do think that there is the other. I mean, the the second thing that I was going to mention is that as as Texans, like. And it's kind of like really the closest thing that I can explain to people who aren't here and who care in any way, shape, or form about the mythology of the way that Texans view themselves is like Texas is a little bit of like we get sold back the idea of being Texans a lot by brands or by the state yeah, itself. Texas or like there's kind of like tends to like, and this is a broad brush, but like tends to view itself as like distinct from the other 49 states. Yeah, but it's um, it is self-perpetuating, but it also is something that's sold back. I mean, Kevin, you had a Yeah. Wait, but but it is self-perpetuating and, you know, that is part of it. But but it is, you know, te- like Texas. Like, you know, definitely like around the world. Like Texas is a fucking brand. I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. Well, right. Yeah. So so it's like you take that stuff with a grain of salt and it's like as a nuanced human being, like who has lived here for a long time? Like I can, I know the difference, but there's still like you see that big production, and it's still like there's a little part of me that's like, oh, that's that's yeah, kind of great. I, I, like I'm kind of the same, kind of the same way. Like yeah. I, I tend to tend to d- distance myself from from that mythology, um, but yeah, it's, I still am a little bit that way. But how goddamn good was that fucking band? Amazing. How so, tight was that? Well, I mean, and so we should let everybody know. Like what we were watching was. If you look at if so if you run a we'll link to that video yeah if you okay yeah Mark, Mark will link to it but yeah it's essentially like a an A and E live broadcast that ran yeah, how a few how years ago. how different is A and E now that's how long a that's little how, yeah tell how how long ago that was well A and E means arts and entertainment and now it's it, like reality shows yeah so. it did mean arts and entertainment anyway I do think that like the the to your point Shane that band is super tight. They're all just these, and like, and Ridiculous it's just a big production, good. and like, they're all immaculately quaffed. And anyway, I just, like, I just, a, I can't even imagine set. like how many hours of rehearsal and like, you okay, know, orchestration. Yeah, they, they are super tight, but to use Shane's favorite terminology, oh, I know uh, where you're going with this. It's fine. It's fine. Like, I, it's not bad, and like, I feel like a dick for not appreciating it more. But you don't. You shouldn't feel like a dick. It's the same. Like you know, if you say like it's it's the same thing. Like you don't have I'll, to. Like, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing that I always like to say. It's just yeah. It's fine. It's not my. I, I think the reason why I notice that and why it matters to me is because I've seen them live before, and that's one thing. Like, you know, several times right around this time. It, like I think that that transcends. You know, seeing it on a. Them, regardless of how big the the screen is, like seeing like and feeling like tightness between like a drummer and a bass player and stuff like that, like regardless of what the song is or whatever, I think that if well, no, they're 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 very uh, good craftsmen at they're their artists. tasks. They are. Yeah. There's there's a difference. I don't know. That's a that's a whole long conversation. But anyway, let's go back into this. Uh, Will Allen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. 
Ben Ratliff from the New York Times. We're talking about Willis Allen Ramsey tonight, and Ben Ratliff from the New York Times wrote uh, about uh, the his record of the same name. Uh, his cozy, orderly, tiny, detail-oriented songs express a willful turnabout from hippie chaos, a visceral reaction particular to the early 1970s. His songs are sweet, emotionally guarded, and often musically complex, fitting strains of melody together that seem as if they ought not to connect, expertly using rhythmic displacement as the words and chords unspool. Perfection is terrifying, and some of these songs felt spooky. So that is, that's a New York Times take on it, which is they, those guys tend to swing for the fences sometimes. Uh, those are, there's some pretty good stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, again, for me, like, it's not, it's not like something I want to listen to all the time. I think it's more of an appreciation record than an enjoyable record, you know? Even sure. though I, en- I enjoyed it more than I thought Did I was going to. Did you say that uh, some of the songs felt spooky? Well, that's the... So, uh, yeah, I know where you're going with this, too, but the, that is what, that's what this uh, writer for the New York Times said. And he said spooky in the, in the sense that some of them felt close to perfect, which he equates with being... Okay, like spooky. Unreal good. or difficult yeah. to attain. All right. So... Anyway, yeah, not saying that he was literally frightened by the songs. No, but I, I did not get that sense. Yeah. That would be like the, the ghost of the second album that's just float that's been finished since 1997, just floating around. Yeah, and there's a Mark found this really great um, NPR piece, which we won't unpack all of it, but it was written by Jonik Potosky, who is a writer who has has written for Texas Monthly for a number of years, which is kind of a like. Yeah, that's Esquire kind of level. It's a great. Uh, it's, it's a very, very well. Yeah, it, that's like uh, Texas magazines. That's it. Like that's the one. Anyway, yeah, he he wrote um, Willie Nelson's biography and has written some others and is a is a scribe of some note. But anyway, one of the things that that he calls out, and I've seen this this referenced in other um, other pieces that that somebody will say to to Willis. These days, or in the days following, in in any of the days of the last forty six years, um, hey, w- you know, what about a second record? And his take was, well, what's wrong with the first one? And so that gets called out a that lot. That is a very folksy Texan way to answer that question. Well, it's also yeah. like a, I mean, but it's also not really an answer. Well, it's also a good way to get out of it. But it's if, not truthful if, either. Is if it? you if you go on to the to the end of that, what Potosky says is. He had a point. Is it one great novel enough for a writer? I mean, that's a a relatively good point. I mean, oh, I, to, guess Harper Lee would have to kill a mockingbird, yeah. like you know what? Uh, I was said Harper Lee would agree with you. Yeah, and yeah. There you go. I mean, I mean, the thing is though that that Ramsey didn't just write the one and and put it away. Yeah, he's been he writing, has been working on this thing and recording it, and he's he's built studio after studio in different parts of the country. So I we do think yeah. there has to be some sort of psychological component to it at this point where like he's just like fuck like well who knows there's but so much it's got to be a lot of built up now yeah. 50 so fucking years later. Yeah, so we started we started down this road before the break and I do think that there is something to be said about the connective tissue between the way that some of these guys who have 
who have put out groundbreaking work in one way or the other, whether it is it is it gets emulated often by other artists or whether they just get lauded for that particular work. But I think of like this feels like a very Kevin Shields move. Like there is lots From of my like, bloody Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Of my bloody Valentine. And like, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk. Like if you go back and listen to the, when we recovered, when we covered Loveless long, several years ago, um, there's a lot of talk in that episode about how, you know, he would just, he just basically burned bridge after bridge and started over and, and frankly couldn't keep engineers hired. And that, I don't necessarily know that, that I'm not imparting that. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened here, but it seems like there is a certain level of well, so frenetic. Yeah, total perfection. I, no, I think that, I think there's a good, uh, I think that's a really good comparison. I do want to point this out. So when MVB, in MVB, MBV, which is the follow up to Loveless came out a few years ago, I think 2012. Right. Um, it was, fantastic and this year a follow-up to that is coming out it's recorded in maybe so maybe you can learn so no yeah so hopefully he he you know nobody's gonna you know really cross their fingers knowing kevin shields track run but why don't we why don't we talk about some people that took a long time to well no i just want to sure i want to posit a theory i think that um willis allen ramsey is the bizarro world ty seagal Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure, that, he could be. Yeah. Uh, rarely am I gonna like try to high five. Can you, you just imagine like the two of those guys hanging out for a minute and talking about like uh, what what'd you do last year? Well, I put out fourteen albums. How about you? Well, I put out one record forty six years ago. Bye. Like that is like like and really good. Top like that both kid. of them really good. And yeah. there were water. I will say mine. I will say that like as a reflection of the type of music that each one of those guys do, like uh Ty Seagal's like version of LA Garage Rock sounds like it should be boiled and reinvented like every few months. And the slow pedal steel of some of this stuff from Willis Allen Ramsey sounds like it should maybe like, you know, set it on a shelf like bourbon for a while and like, get it out for yeah, special yeah. occasions. Let it, like, let it soak up like, the wood. Yeah. It's like Great, really vivid way of putting that. Good, good job. Yeah, put that on the well, shirt. Okay, so, um, so in in th- in the litany of um, albums fussed over and put in the background forever, the one that immediately comes to mind before it was finally released, Chinese Democracy. I was thinking that too. Like, yeah. Uh, Second Coming by the Stone Roses. For sure. Anybody got any any thoughts on that one? Yeah, um, well, Chinese coming? democracy was the one that Closterman used to no, just no, no, beat no, the drum about. No, 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 other like, other albums, but yeah. Um, no, you know, didn't Prince have a like, or people would record stuff and like just never put it out, like stuff like uh, David Bowie. Yeah, Prince has got Prince the vault. Definitely. He's got a vault. <laughs> uh, you know, so I so people say that all the time, like the vault. And like every time I hear that, I have like an image in my mind well, of a bank uh, vault with the it's his exactly version what of it is. is it is that no, what it is? It is no, it it's literally a room, and like you have to have like a code to get it's into a key, it, a keypad to get in, and it's a big metal door to get in there. Yeah, are we talking about Prince now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we, we and you know, and his version of nothing podcast. compares to you, which I haven't listened to yet, uh, has just been released to the public. Didn't weren't they hiring somebody to like, like they were just going to hire like the estate? 
there was a thing about this a couple weeks ago. They're looking for somebody that's a huge Prince fan that could just listen to the demos and pick out the best ones oh and stuff. Oh, my God. And that's, that's what your be. job that is That is the shoot-me-in-the-face job. <laughs> like I, am I know a few people that would oh, sure. sign no, up no. for that. The, the two girls that uh, that were my uh, my ride to school. Uh, Denise soft. and uh, 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 Natalie? Yes, yes. Yeah. Listen to that. Listen to that same Prince record at literally Kevin every day, for Purple like Rain. they had never heard it before, and and like just like it was, it was better than coffee for them. Like, but Shane, your point yeah. just being that that Willis Allen Ramsey's not alone, and he's he's not alone, no. but but he is anomalous in the fact that he's only put out one one record. And almost fifty years later, he still hasn't put out another one, and people are still talking about it. It is stuff. the catcher in the rye of uh, of the cosmic cowboy circuit from nineteen seventy two. I think that's good. You you yeah. want to do? You guys want to listen to one more of these? Sure. Um, Might as well. <laughs> I love good how Lord. you go from wet the blanket party of I, one. I love how you go from the beginning. Like <laughs> I don't hate it, and then like the more you you, it's like you're like me. The more you drink, by the end of the night, you're like well. Uh, I think Ryan just is intent on becoming the counterbalance, and it's like the more that we talk about the legacy and some of the things that are positive about this record, um, he is it's, he's souring. I haven't changed my position. Like uh, I, you're still sitting. Think it's just fine and boring as fuck. Um, sure, but I, I think we're t- we've gone past what we're talking about record wise to like more like the history of other people and the history of him. But we always play three songs, so let's. Play one more. Yeah, let's play one so more. So let's do um let's do that Northeast Texas woman song, which is my least favorite song on the album, but also my one of my most appreciated songs on the album in a weird way. Um so yeah, let's do it. I shouldn't have said it was my least favorite song and my one of my favorite songs. It's, that didn't make any sense. I I think that that riff and that song and I like the I love the way it's played. It sounds like it's played like everybody's in one room together. Um, I just that's the song I like the least. The way he sings, like that's when he gets like the most Kermit the Frog to me. Yeah, I could I could hear that. But but song wise, it's. Especially that that riff, yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. I totally think it's a song. <laughs> oh yeah, we knew we knew where you were where you'd sit on that. By the way, we will not will not uh, just uh, hijack the rest of the show with this, but 
a few other one album wonder bands. Some of these guys died, so it's like that's not totally fair. Um, Dennis Wilson's solo record, uh, Pacific Ocean Blue. Oh, that was good. We did. We you, you had us do one of those. Yeah, we did. We did one in the. In was the that pre Mark? Uh, I don't know, but I yeah, think it was. Yeah, um, that new Radicals record was the only one that that act put out. I guess apparently because everybody wanted to kick that guy's ass after that yeah, song. Yeah, he seemed like a douche. Um, and then uh, The Laws, Ryan. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Yeah, I love that record, breakdown. except for the parts where it sounds skippable. <laughs> yeah. Uh. The Postal Service, technically, just one proper. And actually, this is the one that I thought was really interesting. Um, the Sex Pistols only put out one proper studio album. That is true. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Um, Will Sal and Ramsey, not the Sex Pistols. But uh, I do think that it's kind of interesting that he that he went. I mean, like, it's, it's so so it sounds like basically the progression was, it's like he uh, grew up in Dallas, graduates high school, moves to Austin for a while, becomes part of this cosmic cowboy thing around the time that you know Willie's playing out. Well, it was pretty nascent, yeah, the early early seventies, like yeah, seventy seventy one. When a lot of these guys are really just coming into their own, puts this one record out. Um, it sounds like it garners lots of respect, but, but, and this is one thing we haven't talked about is like around the time that it sounds like, it sounds like he kicked around ta- around Austin for a few years after that record came this out. This record sounds and like cut off blue jeans and Lone Star beer. Well, sure. And that there was a lot of like, that that was that Austin. That sounds like that 1974 in Austin, Texas. Yeah. yeah. But, be, but beyond that, like what ends up happening, like what year did Urban Cowboy come out? Was it? 78, uh, I think. I think okay. it was later than that. Well, the way that, like the way that Willis Allen Ramsey describes it was that, like, was that, like, a few years l- later after this record had been out for a little while, um, that really, like, there was kind of a, you know, the that particular type of... Yeah, of, but... Of, but of, Okay, so it looks like that's a, that didn't Ni- come out until nineteen eighty. So he's already th- pushing a decade. There, yeah, right. Know? So so, that's so maybe that's a, maybe it's a self fulfilling prophecy at that point. But anyway, that's you know. But the way that he describes it in retrospect is like, oh well, Austin was a little you know the zeitgeist was a little urban cowboy for my for my liking. So he moves to Nashville, and then of course Nashville is where the old school music establishment is. So he didn't like that either. So he moves to London and studies music theory and some other things. And then uh, moves back and continues to work a little bit, but there's a lot of tinkering in there, and it doesn't sound like. I don't yeah, know. Man. There's plenty. There's been plenty of time to put out another record. That's all I'm saying. Well, he's built two studios too, so I don't know. Look, it, I think the bottom line is, like, regardless of how we feel about this record or not, it personally, um, it is undeniably influential in a way. Like I said at the beginning, like sort of like the. You know, like the folk version of the Velvet Underground. Like everybody that listened to it, like picked up a guitar and started becoming a songwriter in the seventies. You know, well, like that's 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 undeniable. And in you this, know? in this, I probably will never oh, listen to it again. Um, in this NPR piece, one of the things that he he and this just broke what a couple of weeks ago, Mark. Yeah, he says to Petoskey that he thinks he missed his window to come up with a second record because he was looking for more um, label support. And it doesn't sound like any of the deals that were offered were, you know, were putting that out there. So, anyway. That's a great article. I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to it in the podcast description as well. Okay. Anyway, uh, at the very least, uh, we learn things every week in this show. 
Uh, thanks, Shane. Sure, man. Who's got? Who's got? Uh, Ryan's got Ryan's a few minutes. Got the last I thing. I've got a uh, current affair, and uh, our old friend Courtney Barnett has a new record out or coming out actually. But there's a video for uh, the lead single, and it's called Nameless Spaces. I watched it earlier today. Like I knew she had a new record coming out, uh, and I like I basically. Well, you were bummed. Why? Are you kidding? That's I think is the best Courtney Barnett song I've ever heard. That's pretty great. It was great. I thought the song was decent. Uh, no, I that love is that the first record okay, so much. This is how we know that we really don't have as close a musical taste that we thought. Like, that is by far the best song I think I've ever heard. It's like she discovered the Breeders and decided to get some melody. I mean, it... I do think that, that the the sophistication of her production setup is, is evolving. I like, loved uh, it. I think that... I love the video. I love the song. I want to turn that up so loud and maybe evolving and listen isn't, to it. Forgive me. For that. Maybe evolving isn't the right term. Like, at the very least, it seems like it's more refined than it used to be. It sounds like, more expensive to me, and I it, guess it I love, like, sure. kind of the the lo-fi, but not so lo-fi, it sounds shitty nature of the first record. Uh, well, and to be to be fair... That wasn't her first yeah, record. Yeah, but that was her second record, but the, but it was the, f- the one that well, we covered that before. Well, the first one was, like, an EP or something, right? It was an LP, but the... Um, but yeah, the the record that you came to know her work by, the one that yeah. really broke big for her. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, I thought that I, I thought that song was pretty great. It, I think man. it's but a good song. I just don't love it as much as I that love m- that melody. Uh, killed sometimes those I sit like and things, and, s- and sometimes I just sit. Okay, uh, well, it, it's not a, it's not all about you, is it though, buddy? Well, it is in my head. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It, it's same thing with me. So. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. Um, I, I, no, I do I, think it's a I good really song. Like I, lo- I yeah. love that you brought it. I was like, oh my god, like I fucking love this song. And I was, um, I felt like you know after, like I've been warming up to her. Like I liked her before, but I didn't really always want to listen to it. And then we listened to that stuff. We watched that video on the show that she, you know of that record she did with the Curtin Courtney record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vile thing. Yeah. And I love that song. And it was starting to go like in a place like there was more melody, and that was just like melody, melody, and it just sounded great to me. It sounded like it sounded like Kim Deal called up Courtney Barnett and said, "Hey, do you want to write a breeder song?" Like nothing wrong with that. Well, she still, she still, she seems to have maintained her sense of humor. 
Like that's the thing about court uh, about Courtney Barnett songs that I just can't like divorce myself from is like the idea that like they're always like lyrically as you unpack them they're going to be pretty Oh, she's funny. Yeah, yeah she's, she's funny. Just, yeah, and she's just clever smart in yeah, her they're, own they're unique well way. And like God love her. Yeah, especially there with like cats and Cheetos and people and yeah, the, the, the video is a little nonsensical, but yeah. like in a fun way. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. It made a lot of sense to me, actually, the video. Yeah, can you unpack it for us, Mark? Yeah. Well, I mean, the song, she's talking about girls, you know, she wants to walk through the park, but girls are afraid that a man's going to kill them, and she puts her keys between her fingers, and, you know, so that she can... Like, That's actually a real thing. That, that is yeah. a real thing. It but what... A, what I, is, I didn't even think totally about that. It totally made sense. What if yeah, the cat... It, does, it totally does make sense. The video shows, you know, at one point, like, there are eyes where her boobs should be, you know, whereas women are usually saying, hey, my eyes are up here. I totally unpacked that video. Oh, you totally Dude, you really did. What about really, you kind of really good, you, I know like, you were. I know you, you were. You pulled it out. What about the cats with arms? Where do you stand oh. on that part? Look, if I have to explain the whole damn thing to uh, you. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. There, yeah. Can't. Don't make him work. He's don't, got a job don't, already, Don't dude. sit at the big boy table and start <laughs> asking questions like this. Um, yeah, now, Ryan, it's a good track. like it. It's a nice beat. Excellent. Yeah, and you can dance to it. Occasionally. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, Am I next week? You are next week. You are. We're back in a regular rotation now. Yeah, well, I'm going to pull a totally Ryan move and uh, Oh, 1977, New Uh, York. Even, like, you're in the right decade. Uh, Wait, did this band play at CBGB? (laughs) Oh. No. (laughs) Were they Uh, from Detroit? No, I've exhausted all of those. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm going Black Sabbath. 1970 debut. That is a... I'm actually shocked. It I does that doesn't really fit. I've into never listened to that whole record. Uh, I no, but that doesn't fit into the paradigm, the Ryan paradigm of like proto punk. Yeah, or like new wave. Well, this is proto metal. We all got to grow up someday, Shane. I keep trying, buddy. I keep trying. All right. Well, it's all fucked up. By the way, at the end now. What do you mean? Why? Because Mark started it. So well, you can't. So Ryan has to do it or something. I just okay. go second. That's all I. It I doesn't know. matter to me. I yeah. mean, who? Oh, okay, fine. Just Mark. Just do it. All right, let's get out of here. I'm Mark. I'm, I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Shane. This is somebody likes it.